Welcome to Send News, the Inside Gaming Podcast. We're so happy you're back with us. I am Brian, your host. And now everybody else is going to introduce themselves. I'm Caden. (laughs) And I'm Connor. Sorry, I thought we were doing like titles It's flawless every time we do this. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like, I'm Caden and et cetera. But we're just doing it. We need to draw straws for when we introduce ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, like rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, First up, though, we'd like to make a quick shout out to our Rooster Teeth friends, Gus Sorolla and Chris Demarius. They launched a new podcast today. It's called Black Box Down. It's a true crime podcast. Can't get enough of those. Here's a little twist, though, gang. It centers around major aviation accidents. That's air travel. Pretty damn cool. You can listen to Black Box Down by searching for it on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. I'm sure they're going to do a great job. I like both of those guys. But this isn't about aviation disasters. This is about video games. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. First up, uh, this was uh, fairly recently. This came out uh, from Bloomberg about the PlayStation 5. Might be more expensive than we think. Uh, they, they basically said they're going to not produce as many this year as they did in the launch year of the PS4. Uh, may, maybe just five to six million compared to about seven and a half million for the PS4. But uh, again, the problem is the components they're using to make it are more than Sony wanted. It might be from 450 to 500 bucks even. P- kind of pricey for a launch console. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I feel that this is, you know, them coming out with the PlayStation Three and being just like, look at how expensive it is, and yep. it, you know, biting them in the butt a little bit. But I mean, they could potentially sell it at a at a, at a bigger loss and make it up uh, in the end anyway. Uh, I know Nintendo's had a history of selling a lot of things at loss uh, across their generation stuff, and. Pretty much every console is sold at a loss anyway, and it's all made up by first-party stuff. And I know that they're 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 trying to like dip into the PC market a little bit by releasing some games there, but I don't know, five hundred and fifty bucks for a PlayStation Five. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty steep. And I like to think that I've gotten smarter as I've gotten older. It's not true, but I like to think that maybe I could like because <laughs> I got the PS4 at launch, and then I played Infamous Second Son, and then I was like, well, I guess I'll just. Wait for more games. So I like I'm telling myself that when the next gen thing comes out, I'll be able I'll be fine being like, you know what? I can wait for a sale or I can at least wait till I'm in a better position to buy it. But I know as soon as they release and one game comes out, I'm gonna be like, oh, you know, it's not that bad of a deal. And yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really worried that's what's gonna happen because I'm I'm very impressionable and I like stuff. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, five hundred to five fifty. I forgot if I messed that up at the beginning, but yeah, it's um five fifty. Even even in twenty twenty, I, I feel like if you get anyone over five hundred, I think that's going to be a tough sell to a lot of people. Oh yeah. Um, I, I didn't mm-hmm. buy the PS four at launch. I feel like I waited like a year, and I was happy I did. But even after a year. It still felt there was Bloodborne. I remember there were a few others that I really wanted, but but it, it uh, you know, launch consoles are, are sort of notorious for not having a lot of games, obviously. So, oh come on, I, the PS4 had Knack. Knack. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so I, I don't know, but Sony is kind of anticipating. I think that not as many people are going to get it at least at first they're they're planning for the ps4 and the ps4 pro to be a bridge apparently they're going to allegedly cut the cost of those get people on board with i mean the main thing for them is to get them get people on ps plus and ps now get them on the subscription services and then eventually at some point i guess hope that people will transition over to the ps5 get them in, uh, embedded into the ecosystem that's right yep. yeah like that's apple it's all about i mean like apple, apple yeah absolutely right now from tv to games to credit cards fun stuff yeah. <laughs> you don't have an apple card Oh no! Of course I, uh, of course I have an Apple Card. I have an Apple House, an Apple Card, an Apple Phone, an Apple Car. Yeah. I live in an Apple. <laughs> I, I kind of expect, uh, you know, these days, I almost expect when I get a new console, it's like, why can't all my old games carry over? Like, why can't all my PS4 games just? 
I, I just feel like I should be able to access those off yeah. the PS5. And maybe I'm so used to, yeah, just phones and PCs and things like that. That uh, is something that they, they briefly talked about, that yeah. there was that, that backwards compatibility mention, uh, at least for the previous generation and for whatever was there. So that's good. But I mean, you compare that to what the Xbox Series X is going to be. It's everything at this point and that's what right. we really should be going towards is we're going to bring everything with us or as much of it as we possibly can without you know having to go through big legal loopholes or you know defunct companies yes yeah. exactly and it's a good point it's kind of rare to get a new thing out of the box and have to start from scratch these days i mean your phone you, you press a few buttons and it brings it back up from the day before the week before right and like pc and computer everything's synced up uh for better or for worse <laughs> I'll open my laptop and then Origin on my computer will be like, it's running in two places and then lose its its mind. But, I mean, I feel like Xbox is going to have a handle on that. I feel like you'll be able to bring so much over because they're already good at backwards compatibility. Have they said how that's going to work? Maybe not not for uh, Xbox 360 games but with Xbox One, like digital titles? They basically said that it's uh, they're, they're going to try and maintain what they have uh, as, as a platform and as an ecosystem moving forward. It's basically what they have now just beefed up and the the Xbox One and a series of consoles isn't necessarily going away so to speak it's still yeah. going to be there and it's still going to be you know uh, there's still going to be things for it and updates and all that stuff but basically the Xbox Series X is when you're finally finished with this and you want to experience what's new you know jump into the Xbox Series X and you can bring everything with you when you do so it's pretty on point yeah, my my understanding is that it's going to, and maybe I'm wrong, but but at least the way I think I've read it is that when you buy an Xbox Series X, it, it, I, don't all your games kind of carry over from? Yeah, from, that's what I was for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I agree with Connor. It does feel just sort of antiquated, like. Oh, I've got this new PlayStation. Now I'm just going to start all over from the very beginning with one game. Like it's the first console I've ever bought. I um, do feel like this is I mean, so I know Nintendo does that too. So Nintendo uh, Nintendo does definitely do that. Oh gosh, the Switch was just like we're not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Eat shit. Yeah, those form factors help them do that. But imagine if you got a new computer and you had to start your Steam library over. Right. Oh my right, god. Right. <laughs> my six hundred games quit. on Steam that I've, I played twelve of. I know. Yeah. Or like you get a different e-reader and you have to start your book from the beginning, and it's like I know how this goes for the first half. <laughs> yeah. I do think uh, I do think Sony's shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, especially because you know they're uh, later on in this in this Bloomberg article they're talking about the fact that the Xbox Series X, you know. Might end up at 450, and I do think that they'll probably actually get close to that. They do say that the PS5 will end up there as well, and I think that even even a 50 dollar discrepancy, if the PlayStation 5 launches at 500 or 550, and you have a, a Xbox Series X at 450, it's a it's a better deal, especially if you're you're already in the ecosystem. And even if you're not in the ecosystem, you can look back and be like. Well, I get this console, and technically I get the last one, and the one before that, and the one before that. And it's like, that seems better just on paper. I, I think $50 would be a difference for some people. Um, if it And if it was as much as like $100, that would be a definite difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I think they are very worried about Microsoft and what they're going to do. And uh, I, I made this point in the in the script that I, you know, I think if Microsoft wanted to get really cold-blooded about it, they could intentionally just undercut uh, Sony on the price if they wanted, mm -hmm. sell it at a loss because mm -hmm. they're a much bigger company and they can, I assume, afford to take a much bigger loss at least at the beginning. I, I, it's my understanding that most consoles sell for a loss at least at the beginning, and then after you know a couple years or whatever, the, the manufacturing costs get down and then they start to turn up. Slight profit, but obviously the bigger they make the money off the games and now the subscriptions. So, you know, it, with Sony though, it's just been uh, the components. Flash memory uh, has been a huge problem because they're having to compete with smart smartphone manufacturers. Obviously, Microsoft's going to go through that same thing. Uh, the cooling system is costing them more. So, 
it's, you know, and then on top of this, the coronavirus has kind of affected their ability to market it and to meet up with and sort of come up with a final business plan on this. So it's, it all sounds very stitched together at the last minute. I definitely yeah. wouldn't be a, a adverse to them just postponing all, all the, you know, both console launches. I, I think we're we're currently in a in a good place for this console generation anyway. There's still games coming out. People are still developing yeah. for these yep. platforms anyway. I think that they would do better if they actually just said, "Hey, we're going to end up delaying these." And in delaying them, you know, sure, technology will move forward a little bit, but also the, the fact that these, the cost of manufacturing these might actually go down even just a smidge, and it might end up being a little bit more favorable for them in the end anyway. So I think thinking about the, the past generations and how it's moving forward, I think Xbox could sooner afford to take the delay because the promise of the Xbox Series X is, yes, existing IP, but it's it's like things that are yet to come out. And a lot of it's about Game Pass and stuff, things that exist now. Yes. Whereas mm -hmm. PlayStation's whole game, um, whether they're saying it or not, is the exclusives. So Spider-Man 2, right. God of War 2, another For Bloodborne, sure. if that ever happened. And the further we get from those, the less relevant... I mean, not re less relevant. I mean, Jesus, think about how long The Last of Us has taken to come out. But the Sony strategy is so much more contingent on games. And... If the console is put off, those games can't come out. Well, Microsoft can still develop its services like Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate for PC, even without that next generation. So yeah, yeah I, I think I think you're right. I think the the pitch with the Xbox Series X is this is going to be a, a a powerful console, but more than anything, I think uh, their pitch now is it's going to be a good value. Yeah, because it's going to have Game Pass. And they're kind of selling you on the future in the sense of we're going to have more exclusives this generation. We've been buying a bunch of studios. It's sort of in the works. So they're kind of selling you on the future. Whereas Sony, I think, is selling you on the reputation of the PlayStation mm -hmm. at this point. And, and the fact of, look. You, you, we had all these great exclusives for the PlayStation. You can assume there's going to be just as many next time around. And also, frankly, Sony has not put out a bad PlayStation. There, there's been one that's the three. I don't think was quite as successful, but I don't think it was bad. They really haven't had a stinker, and so I think that's a, a pretty good pitch for them too. I mean, you, I, I've never felt ripped off buying a PlayStation ever. Yeah, the the PS3 for sure. You know, boomeranged around. It it, it had yeah. a, a, a difficult launch, but it really did come back around. I mean, so did the the Xbox One. To be honest, as much as people want to give it, you know, give it shit for having a, a terrible launch, it really did. Especially once once Game Pass rolled around, and this whole backwards compatibility thing. Game Pass people, really saved it. It yes. really just like yep. brought everything back around, and it's it's great. But uh, I think this is going to to teach Sony a little, at least a little bit of lessons of you know not necessarily cutting off their tail and, you know, moving forward entirely while ignoring their past. I mean, the, I mean, the number one thing that people constantly keep asking for with Sony is, hey, I want to play my old games. Right, right. I, I want to play my old PlayStation 4 games on a console that isn't going to have two minute load times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to play Knack now. Yeah, I, I want right. to play Knack right after it's it. my Knack. It's my Knack, and I need it now. <laughs> yeah, this let the load time thing sounds cool, but I'm skeptical every time I hear it. I'm like, well, then they're just we're just gonna get bigger games that have the same load times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, sure. I mean, sure. yes, Spider Man 2018 is gonna load great on the PlayStation 5, <laughs> but what about Spider Man 2? Right. I, I, I feel the way I, I know games have gotten bigger, but I also feel like they just make games so much more inefficiently now, just in the file sizes and, and all the updates and the way they ship them sort of incomplete. I, I don't believe that games are just going to load up in a few seconds. They're going to find they're going to find a way to mess. <laughs> they this they up. fill the space they're <laughs> afforded. Um, exactly. Which is why, exactly. Which is why yes. Breath of the Wild is so amazing. What is that? Six, seven gigabytes? 
Yeah. Yeah. That it's, is, it's and not it's, exactly... of course, it's optimized for the system and the textures are not the most advanced, but also like, hey, I mean, even on gigs. the Wii U, the, the, the Wii U loads the game pretty quickly, too. And well, it's... Breath of the Wild is a Wii U game. That I mean, it, it was that ported to the Switch. That is fair. <laughs> I mean, but it does, it does, you know, show, show how Nintendo understands their, their, their platform really well. Um, yeah, their games are the always of, perfectly optimized for their hardware. Yeah. Despite the fact that they also are kind of cutting off their tail and being just like, you want backwards compatible? How about we sell you a $60 game <laughs> instead? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. It's got Mario in it. it, it, it is, there, is there more Zeldas? Then yeah, I'll pay $60. I was thinking about Mario Sunshine Remaster again this morning. I could smile <sighs> on my face so just thinking about it. They got me. Put a little, they got my put a little sunshine in your heart. <laughs> All right, well, that's a good transition. Uh, Speaking of the Switch, uh, they also made some news because there was the latest firmware update, the 10.0.0 update. Uh, Nothing uh, nothing huge in the update. Uh, Still no background, still no folders. Some quality of life improvements. But uh, a researcher, Mike Heskin, dug into the firmware, found uh, some support for a new hardware model and he said there's evidence of a secondary display of sorts being added exclusively on this model. No one really knows what that means. Is it a new kind of switch? Is it new functionality for existing switches? Is it uh, a way that they're working on ports for Wii U and DS and 3DS games? We don't know. I I, I will absolutely be bewildered if they're just like, hey... For those of you people who own a Wii U, dig out that Fisher Price gamepad because now you can connect it to the Switch. Hell yes! <laughs> Finally, what everyone's been asking for. I I honestly wouldn't be uh, uh, against them releasing something like a, a controller with a screen in it. Um, no, gamers, uh, you maybe... spoke and we listened, and now we have a controller bigger than the console it's for. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wouldn't be against it. It would be really cool to to see them take that take a, take another whack at making uh, what is essentially a Wii U gamepad and kind of parsing it down. Maybe taking what is essentially like a phone screen and popping it right on uh, a uh, a Switch Pro controller, having it be you know small enough, and that way again you can do you can do what you did on the Wii U gamepad or a DS game or a 3DS game, and that way they can sell you those for sixty dollars again. Personally, I don't really get the whole many screens thing like folding devices and the touch bar on the macbook and like the ds and stuff and i'm like i can't split my focus like that i'm not doing two things and then i know that i'm not speaking for all gamers but also i'm like i hear that and i'm like eh, i never really played ds never really played wii u so maybe i just don't understand it but uh I don't know. Also, I this love, is Nintendo, I love the Wii U. and everything everything they say is a riddle. So it could be <laughs> the controller could just have like a Game and Watch type thing where it has three different modes, and it's just a little uh, e ink screen. <laughs> They're know. just speaking in proverbs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're okay. It's a Japanese company. It's a haiku. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. It's. I, I don't know. It's. It's interesting to think about. There's not too much more there you know uh, i i loved the ds and the 3ds i liked the wii u a lot i wish it had more games but i i get why they had to move on because it just wasn't selling um and i, I think the switch is an improvement but i i don't know it, it, there's also been talk of the switch pro sort of a beefier you know uh, uh, incrementally more powerful system and, but I don't know. I don't know if that if that matches with some sort of secondary display. It's just it's hard to figure out. I honestly, it feels like does Nintendo need a, a new system right now? That they're selling out of switches. Their biggest problem is just creating enough switches to meet the demand right now. So I guess no the, would be no yeah. definitely yeah. The they, I, I don't think they need anything. Uh, I, I think the Switch Lite scratched an itch that. Some people didn't know that they needed, but yeah. uh, aside from that, I think if you really want me to like get into this, I think that what they could do to, to update things is rather than mess with the Switch hardware itself, just fix that stupid dock and actually like if I'm going to play it in, in handheld mode, it's only going to be so powerful and it doesn't matter. It's on a tiny screen, but when I'm playing it on a big TV, 
you could do better upscaling. You could better. You could have better hardware in that switch dock that could help with the processing power that may, would make it beefier. And then you could you could fake a 4K with a switch. <laughs> it wouldn't look super great, but you could you could make processing power a little bit better by having you know some additive nonsense packed into the switch dock itself. And I think that's where the pro might come from. But I I want to see what this screen controller screen double screen system is going to be. Fixing Joy-Con drift would be like a cool priority. Right. <laughs> that right. Maybe that would be like a fun thing they could try. Is I finally work. experienced Joy-Con drift. It's and, tough. Uh, my original Switch, yeah, the, I, the kids have, have noticed it. Or I was like, wait, how long has this been going on? And they, they said it's been happening for a while for them. Oh, yeah. No. I couldn't play no. um, Stardew because it was constantly pushing. Uh, I guess it, I don't remember which Joy-Con it was. I think it was moving the cursor all the way up, and I couldn't like select anything. So I had uh, I had Lawrence do surgery for it. He ordered, oh, he fixed he, it. He ordered a joystick, yeah, because I was complaining nice. about it. He's like, I can fix that. Oh, wow! Like Dulé Hill and Holes. He said, I can fix that. And I gave him some of my famous <laughs> peaches or onions. Onion pe- um, peaches. Well, yeah, so that's all we know at this point, which is not a lot. But um, let's move on. Uh, Another story this week, the Resident Evil 4 remake is being planned. That's not official yet, but Video Games Chronicle, they've been breaking a lot of news lately. The Chronicle. Um, the chron the worst (laughs) worst name for a website ever, (laughs) I feel like. The Video Games Journal. Video Games Chronicle. It's yeah. Is it like the Wall Street Journal? I guess. I, don't I suppose so. The Gamer Gazette this morning. Stop the presses! There's a new data mine switch detail we found. The Daily Gaming Bugle has video game. <laughs> video Game Chronicle uh, breaks embezzlement scheme. <laughs> They quote that's maybe that's where Jason Trier is going that's now that possible. he left Kotaku. Jason Trier, friend of friend of the shows, friend big of, friend of the that show. We, that's what we always uh, say. Loves what we do. Is a huge fan of uh, avid of YouTube watcher, video avid game listener. channel. Yes, <laughs> I wish him luck. Uh, yeah, but so VGC, as I'll call them, cited multiple development sources that said the Resident Evil 4 remake has now entered full production. They said it's actually uh, been going on for a few years, but I guess now we're in full production. It's uh, developed by Osaka-based M2. That's the studio founded by the former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami. Uh, so, but they're they're going to work with Capcom people and third party studios as well. So it's going to be a, a team effort. But there is a danger in this because number one, Resident Evil Four. I mean, it's 15 years old. It's pretty old. But uh, some people don't think it needs to be remade. And then it's also one of the best Resident Evil games. It's very beloved. So you're kind of playing with fire here. I I, I don't disagree that it. I I think that it could definitely use an actual honest-to-goodness remake because we've gotten a million and a half ports of the game for HD consoles and the Zeebo. If anybody wants to go and look up a Brazilian game console, it's been ported to literally everything. You know, you can play it on your TI-83 if you really want to, but uh, Code Veronica was right there. It was right there. There you go. It's, it's it's one of those games that they ported it kind of, and they did kind of a eh, shitty job of porting it. And uh, I'd love to see them give it the Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3 remake, you know, coat of paint, because it's such a good game. It really is. Code of Veronica. And they just kind of, they just uh, skipped over it. Just putting that out there. I'll just say real quick, I've never played a Resident Evil game. Remake, oh brother. no! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I dare. Um, no, it's yeah. There's drunk. some of those. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's some of those series that everybody I think has, has like missed. You know, Half there's like, like yeah, Mass sure. Effect, Resident Evil, kind of. <clears throat> yeah, I, did, I, I tried Mass Effect. Uh, I couldn't get past the the Ice Planet because the Mako sucks, and I've made that known on about a million different podcasts and shows these days. And now um, a million and one. I really want to get into Mass Effect, but that's a different story in, in general. But uh, Resident Evil 4 is the game that got everybody into Resident Evil. It really is. It, it was the one that broke everybody into it by being just different enough from the originals, but just s- close enough to the originals. So it, it, it innovated in just enough ways. 
right. uh, but kept things the same enough so that hardcore fans of the series were, were very pleased with it. But it has been on every console, and if you're going to remake this uh, Resident Evil 4, you're going to need to do something really, really, really big with it. And uh, I think that it would probably be better suited for next-gen than this one, and I just want Code Veronica. <laughs> Yeah, Resident Evil 4 really I threaded the needle because it's hard with a sequel because fans kind of want something different, but also more of the same. And and they really took it in a new direction. I, I think it was still very much a Resident Evil game, but uh, kind of launched it on a new course. A lot of the times that can be a disaster, but it, it worked big time and it's hugely influential. So in that aspect, and the fact that it was a what, GameCube game when it came out, I mean, I can see why they're doing it, although there have been sort of HD remasters over the years, and they ported it and ported it and ported it. So we'll have to see. If, it, if it's, you know, as good as Resident Evil 2 Remake was, then, then they'll sell a bazillion copies. Oh, should I sure. Should I play this? Should I play it on Switch, Resident Evil 4? Uh, I I probably I, I I'd recommend it. It's it's a very good game. Uh, it, it's got just enough puzzly parts to it. It's it's very actiony. Uh, it, it's sort of a standalone. Uh, a much uh, yeah, I think un- you it can. very very unlike the the ori- the other games where you kind of need to understand who these characters are. But Resident Evil Four, you can just kind of jump into it. Yeah, well, I think I told this story on the daily when I was a kid. My cousin lent me a copy for the Wii. And um, I tried to play it once, and I got too scared. And then I got so so freaked out by it that I think I hid it from my memory, and I had no idea where I put it. And for years after that, he would every time I saw him go, "Could I um get my copy back of Resident Evil Four? Did you play it?" I was like, "Well, I'm I'm getting around to it. Uh, it's only a matter of time. I just gotta have to find it." Uh, <laughs> and I think I eventually did give it back or kept it forever. It could go either way. Had you lost it, or did you know where it was? I had no idea where it was, but it so was you, okay. just sitting on a bookshelf in my basement. I gotcha. Okay. I just never, I didn't even want to think about it so much that I didn't even go looking for it, because I was so ashamed that I was too, too, uh, a, a, a little wee-wee pants baby, baby head to not play a scary video game, which I still uh, feel, but... Now I just I got you. So yeah, because I it was sort of a it was a sore spot for you, and you just didn't want to admit. Yeah, you know, I was sensitive. I couldn't deal with that kind of (laughs) that kind of pressure. I think you have the cur- I think you have the courage to to face Resident Evil Four now, and the game holds up. I mean, it really does, and this is why I I definitely don't necessarily think it needs a remake at this moment because all those HD ports uh, have done really well with like just tiny little quality of life updates to the game and making them look a little bit better. And it looks good on the Switch. It looks good on the Xbox One. It looks good on the PS4. It looks good on the Wii. It looks good on everything. So it's it's a really versatile game and it's worth playing, but it's already available on everything. And I don't that's the thing. Yeah. It, it so why the hell are they? Yeah. yeah exactly. So why the hell are they remaking? I think it just it? makes yeah. the it's the next logical choice, right? If you're a company yeah. like we want to make money, number two made money, number three has made money. Do we know sales numbers? I'm assuming it's it's worked out. I, uh, number three, number, I don't three think sold know. a few million in its first five days. I think it sold two million, so it's off to a good start. So that's still uh, good. So I think not quite as good as two, but but I think it's still doing well. It's one of those things that two was two was a lot of people's favorite, and right. three was kind of just like three was good is what people said about it uh, back in the day, and we did a video about that. Um, but two and four. Mm-hmm are generally the ones that most people who have played a Resident Evil game are just like, oh, my favorite's two. Well, my favorite's four. And that's nine times out of ten what you'll hear. So Let's see. The the most recent sales numbers, uh, Resident Evil 3, the remake, shipped two million copies in five days. The Resident Evil 2 remake has now shipped over six and a half million copies. Woo. So, yeah, I, I you know, it, it seems like uh, two certainly has been a big hit for them, which is why they did three. And three is, I guess, doing well enough to where they greenlit four. And and yeah, four, I think, like two, has a special place in a lot of people's memories, which which is why they're doing it. Yeah, for sure. a, few, a few friends of mine. I don't think I fully understood just how important this was to him, and he he was ecstatic when two came out. So I can understand. Why it being good was such a triumph, which I don't think I really uh, uh, t- 
took all that in in the moment. It's a really good game. The yeah. remake of two is really good. In fact, uh, I think that what they what they did with Resident Evil one when they remade it for for the GameCube and then they ported that to HD. That was their first major step of what do we do to bring this to the next generation? They still kept it, you know, very tank controlly, and a lot of people were just like, eh. We don't really like tank controls, but then you have Resident Evil 4 jump in, and it's like, oh, look, it's more action-y, and now it's even more action-y, but it's, it's still paced better with these remakes. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right, let's go on to our last story that is about the ESRB, everybody's favorite rating agency. They have finally addressed the issue of loot boxes. Previously, they've had a label at the bottom of their games called In-Game Purchases, But that can mean anything. That can mean DLC. That could mean loot boxes. That could mean all kinds of things you can buy in a game. Well, now they have added a parenthetical underneath that says includes random items. Ah, There you go. The courage. The courage it took to put parentheses. (laughs) Yeah. And and the the funny thing is, in the example, in their blog post about the example that they used of this was under a game rated T for teen. So clearly what they're saying is a okay for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what a what yeah. a what a what a and, bold move. And cresting over the hill is the heroic, strong ESRB with its new rating radiating light down on the devilish developers and publishers who scatter from the no i mean it's just like right. you don't do that that or do it but we'll kind of let people know i guess um it's you know it's one thing to keep in mind about the esrb this is an industry group this is not some independent you know body this is something the esa created in the 90s to try to prevent government regulation. Basically, uh, they were worried about violence in video games at the time, and it, it was kind of like, look, if you guys don't do something about this, we're gonna, we, the government, are going to start regulating you. And I think they have hit that point with loot boxes, but they are trying to do as little as possible because I feel like if they wanted to, they could just change the ratings for games with loot boxes and oh, slap M, M for Mature on them. But they represent the publishers and developers who obviously don't want to do that. I, I definitely think it's... Man, I, I don't even know how to quantify this. This is just really... It's really shitty. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it This is. is absolutely... You know, it's like... It is. It, it, it gets. It definitely has. It scratches that that gambling itch. It, it does. Yeah. Oh, um, no doubt. I don't think that video games have any necessary negative effects on on anybody. So saying that there, but there are predatory practices put into video games now by uh, by the publishers, mostly by publishers. Generally, the developers are just like, well, we didn't want to do it, but the publisher told us we had to do it because it needs to make X amount of money or we won't be able to do our passion project and so on and so forth. And I get that. But there needs to be a little bit of transparency on it. I mean, hell, Pokemon took out gambling. Pokemon has no gambling in it anymore. It used to have gambling in it. You could go to the slots and eventually they're just like, we can't even show this. We can't show this. uh, So we're just going to replace it with a, a Voltorb card flipping game. And then they just got rid of it entirely. So if that was what 10 15 years ago and now we are in 2020 and we're getting parentheses includes random items as a warning label for for to to not promote gambling to kids come on also that sounds yeah. like a really in the know type phrase like yeah for like, sure yeah. I, I know what that means when i look at the label whatever but i mean for any given parent that's just like i don't know it's, yeah, I mean, you, I, I guess you mean? couldn't put may cause gambling addiction at the bottom of it. I don't know. Well, and, and you know, they would argue, they kind of have a, a very uh, pointed semantic argument. Well, it's not gambling because you're not getting money from this, but you still are getting something of value. Like in FIFA yeah. Ultimate Team, you're, you're getting something uh to possibly make your team better, to make you more competitive against your friends or against online players. So you are getting something of value. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a randomized thing. You're basically pulling a slot machine lever each time to see if, you know, all sevens come up for you, so to speak. And 
the fact that this is allowed for children to spend real money on is yes it to me it is the great shame of the industry that they would uh, push this on kids that they would pretend that this is somehow acceptable because it's one if it's if it's adults that's one thing and gambling addiction is a very real problem for adults it's something that people have to go to rehab for but to do that to kids uh is i just think unconscionable and as somebody with kids who i worry about you know who do play games and stuff but i i worry about this stuff and i know what they're playing i pay attention to it but uh, I, I just think it's exploitation of the highest order. And if, if that's what your business model is made is based on, then you don't deserve to be in business. <laughs> no, but it's, it's such a big aqueous business that the people that are responsible get to hide behind, well, hide behind the ESRB, hide behind the developers that they make yeah. to do it. It's like... Yeah, it's all so, these shell companies, exactly, or contractors. Yeah. And there's yeah. always another scapegoat that they can put out there. Do you remember That's when... Right. Um, oh, it was one of the EA heads basically made the... the, the they made the Battlefront 2 devs come out on stage at something and apologize. <laughs> right. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, those guys didn't make that decision. Right, Maybe right. It's like Caden said, case. that wasn't their call. Exactly, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's that's the publisher's it was, call. It was so that's slimy for, sure. for them to come, and the publisher to be like, good, good. That's really good that you came clean like that. It's like, oh, come on. Yep. Suit, I, I, whatever your name is. <laughs> Mr. Suitman, Captain Business. It's just, <laughs> it's so, it's so nonsense that uh and i i do feel uh definitely sorry for for the devs behind a lot of these things because they're the ones who end up getting a lot hit a lot by this and not necessarily the publishers who are generally the ones making these calls that's right and it sucks because you know you're 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 sitting down you're pouring and crunching on developing these games so that people enjoy them and then you know halfway through the development uh, you know some guy in a suit comes to your studio or you know conference calls with zoom at this point and it's just like hey you know uh i hate to to interrupt you developing this lovely game that you're 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 pouring your heart into but um we need to make sure that uh, kids between the ages of six and uh, se- uh 16 yeah. are uh you know being targeted the way we want to. What do you mean by that? It's like, well, we want their money, so we want their, them to take their parents' credit cards and just keep swiping. Yeah, because if I was a kid playing NBA 2K or FIFA or something against my friends every day, and I had a hold of my parents' credit card that I could use to just buy card packs and get better players, I would absolutely abuse the hell out of that if I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have had those moments of just like, well, you know, it's like my parents aren't paying attention. I, I, I had a moment where I was, uh, I think it was seven or eight, and we were doing a road trip in a hotel, and they had one of those little controllers that was plugged into the TV. Right, and right. if you pressed the button, uh, it loaded up this Super Nintendo. And uh, I thought it was just built into the TV. And yep, I'm just like, oh, yep. look. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to hit this button. And scam. it ended up charging and, you know, the, the, the hotel room. like. Either. Sorry. No, it I, absolutely. I just didn't mean to talk over you. I didn't know if you were done or not. But uh, uh, it ended up costing uh, like an extra two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my Zelda. god! Holy, Holy shit. shit! What were you uh, playing? I, uh, to be fair, I, w- I did beat Super Punch Out, <laughs> so I did play it quite a bit. But it was—it's one of those things. that's like you know, you show a kid a controller, and uh, they're going to want to play it. Yeah. And uh, the kid doesn't have the concept of, you know, this is going to cost money because I have a Super Nintendo at home. I just pick up the controller and I play. It's just like that. And oops. I mean, the bill has to be paid by someone and it's going to be the parents. And it's it's really just gets kids into a point of, you know, oh, well, if I put the money in, I get the thing I want. And that's not necessarily or you just keep putting the money in until I get the thing I want. It, it feels like a ripoff uh, and, and kind of a callback to, and this is an old example, but of the old 900 numbers that would, you know, uh, get your, hey, kids, call the 900 number to get, you know, the, uh, all the new oh, wrestling, kind of 900 the numbers. wrestling uh, tips and secrets and all this. and Attention you, gamers. You yeah. Master <laughs> yeah. Chief needs your help. Get your parents' <laughs> right. credit card. Exactly. Call the Nintendo Power Hotline at one 900 Yep. 
all that stuff. And guess what? The gaming companies got involved with those too. But you know, it's the same thing. It's like you rack up these charges and then the parents don't know about it until they get the bill at the end of the month or whenever. And then like, oops, sorry. Well, you still got to pay it. I just, I just can't stand how prevalent predatory practices are in quote unquote marketing. Like, the like, yeah. y- you know what I'm talking about when you're subscri- unsubscribing from emails from like fucking Boscovs or something, and it you go into the unsubscribe <laughs> menu and it's like, click here if you've actually, ch- and then in small gray text that blends in the background, change your mind. You want to keep receiving great deals and offers, never again or something. And the the wording is specifically for you to get turned around and stay right, part right. of. It's like how Prime Amazon Prime keeps people. Like instead of a mm-hmm. button that says cancel, there's a grayed out one that doesn't look like a hyperlink that says no, I don't want to save money. It's like, what the fuck? Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. And also, if I could just get in there real quick, fuck you. Oh, man, I can't stand it. And this is the same kind of like corporate brain that's like, hey, it's fair play. It's not illegal. And the ESRB doing this just reinforces those decisions. It just feels like they're all in one room, just like like conniving and 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 working together to steal. Yeah, to to get it, to word it just so precisely that they're not running afoul of any laws. They might not be violating the letter of the law, but they're definitely violating the spirit. And yes. it's, it's one of those things. It might not be illegal. I would argue it is highly, highly immoral. It's defensible uh, to, in court. To prey that's on children. Yeah, that's yeah right. that's, oh, that's absolutely right. <laughs> uh, I mean, my, my, uh, my kid the other day, she was on a math site for kids, like with math games and stuff, but it had... A, a banner ads on the side and she was accidentally clicking on them because she didn't know what they oh. were and it's just you know uh, and then all of a sudden all the spam right. starts popping up Hot and she doesn't know what's area. going that's on gross. Yeah. that's so, that's so, so gross that's so just nasty yeah um, yeah it's it's gross and it's one of those things where I feel like this is another sign of uh, publishers are not going to change this practice unless oh, they oh, are absolutely not. forced to by uh, you know regulators, so we will see what happens. I think it's gonna. I don't think it's going away though. I think uh, obviously gamers hate the practice, and it has I think affected game development in negative ways. And I agree. I don't blame the developers, but it has you know they've taken some of the worst practices from like mobile games, and you're seeing them pop up in full price games yep. and it just sucks it they wall off content they do all kinds of things to they'll time gate things to to get you to to pay or, or to you know pay to have a little shortcut around it and and to have the experience that you should have just for paying sixty dollars for sure for, <sighs> for absolutely sure then there was the whole thing with like on disc dlc where it's just like oh it's all there you just need to pay the ten dollars to unlock yeah. it. it's like i bought the disc the data's on the disc right i have to pay ten dollars for a a 15 kilobyte download to unlock the thing that's already there come on yeah all right, uh, we've talked that one to death. Pretty let's cool. move on. Yeah, really, <laughs> really cool the way things are going. Uh, cool, let's cool, cool, go cool. to questions. Okay. Our favorite spot. We're, we're, I think we're doing some old questions because we forgot to put the, uh, we forgot to put it up on social media well, I, this we week. We got some new ones there too. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, closer to, to the bottom. Oh, the good. Bottom, okay, actually, because I, I tweeted, I was like, "Give me questions now." <laughs> yeah, go, go, we go. Oh, nice. Ones. Okay, yeah. well, let me start at the bottom then. Um, yeah. So this one is from Avery Weeb Extraordinaire. <laughs> What's been the hardest part of this for you guys, and how have you coped? That's a good question. Um, uh, the hardest, I think, uh, for me personally, it's just, oh, geez, uh, not being in the office is tough and not, uh, because uh, Caden and I are kind of remote anyway, because most of the team is in L.A., so I'm kind of used to that, but just having to deal with, you know, house issues on top of work simultaneously mm-hmm. all the time, it's it's such a different experience rather than just being in the office and you can just sort of sit down and work and, you know, kind of focus. It's not like that at all at home. There's a million different distractions. So that's that's been the hardest part. And I cope by yelling at anyone who distracts me. <laughs> He off mic. Brian is uh, furious with us. 
as soon as the light goes off, ranting and just, raving. Oh my god, he's just tanning our asses. How dare you not laugh at my 16D's nuts jokes? How dare you? Do you know how much work this took? Brain, I just watched your special this morning. Watch it again. Rate it five stars on Amazon now. Oh man, yeah, I really miss the office. I really miss the goofs more than anything because we get them during the record but like so much of the fun we have is just me you know what i really miss is annoying the shit out of patrick at any given moment of the day <laughs> because normally i can just he does seem very annoyable yes it's it's fun to tease yeah. patrick it and i can definitely just well, fun he, to tease he annoys me too he you know you got he dishes it out just as much but like i miss being able to just like take off my headphones and go like patrick patrick Check this out. And then I'll do like an impression or like jump off my chair, or like bouncing off something off the wall. And I also hate having to mentally check myself before I go outside. Like that's I mean, like I'm not like those those freaks in Michigan that are like, I can't go to the I can't go to the the, the get my lawn fertilizer or the hair salon. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, but also it, there is, you know. Some freedoms have been not taken from us, but like, you know, they're advised against. And it kind of sucks to be like, I want to go outside. And it's like, is that a good idea? Is it worth going outside? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite was that rally they had in Michigan where all these people sort of defied Mm -hmm. quarantine and came out. And uh, one of them had a Confederate flag with an AR-15 that said, come and take it. Hilarious on a number of levels, because number one, uh, the union did come and take it very effectively. And two, you're in (laughs) Michigan, not part of the Confederacy. Yeah. Patrick put it best last night. He said when we were streaming, he was like, what's driving these people insane is that there's no enemy. Yeah, that's right. It's, 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 it's an like, invisible thing that you yes. can't, you know, point a bullet at. There's, it's not a religion. It it's not a country. It's not a minority. It is just this thing that you can't see, and it's they're losing their minds. Because who do they rebel against? I guess the government at large, even though the government caters to the people like that. Recently. How dare you try to keep me safe and yeah. give me the best medical advice? Yeah. What do you do to cope, though, Connor? What do I do to cope? Uh, yeah, been cooking a lot. I've been getting really good at not having to worry about recipes and just being like, "What do I got?" So I made like a Hell stir yeah. fry the other day. Oh, that's cool. It was like yeah. summer squash, cauliflower, and some sausage, and then I uh, did it with I have some rice noodles. It's very good. So I'm uh, really enjoying being in the kitchen. So I'm gonna make another grocery run. I, I definitely, I definitely kind of agree with both of you. The hardest part is just like not being at the office, not not being around everyone. It sucks to not be able to it's like because it feels like everybody's kind of like everybody's kind of like family uh, at, at the Austin studios. And it's just like you just go out there and you have a conversation. You go to the coffee machine. You have a moment. There's some goofs happening uh, at, at stage five. We have this ongoing game of Jenga. And it's just, you yes, know, I've heard it, it in the background this, of some records. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a sense of like, you know, there's a, there's a big sense of, you know, being around, you know, you know, coworkers and community physically that that is is missed, and uh, coping with that is you know just trying to be a part of the community as much as I can, you know, even more so online, and you know, you know, really connecting with coworkers that way, and just you know, reaching out to people a little bit more, and also uh, binge watching everything I can possibly get my hands on. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching a lot of like stand-up specials. I just watched um, it, Wanda Sykes's latest one. I think she came out with it last year. I forget the name, but she's like in a white suit. She's so friggin' funny, very underrated. But yeah, there's there's this is where Netflix and Hulu and all them really really shine. I've been watching Fargo. Uh, so there's yeah, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, it, it's really good. I'm reading Dune right now. Oh, good yeah, book. Good. Well, I had already, I had, already, I was almost halfway through already because I was listening to it as an audiobook a little while ago, but I didn't like that. And now I'm like, oh, maybe now is a good time to just read it. And it, it is, it's so much better. As a, as I think, a uh, I think that was actually another one of the questions too. Uh, I read, I read Dune just a couple years ago, maybe four years ago, and for yeah. A '60s sci-fi. I think it was written in the '60s. Was it? It, oh, wow. it really it's, it's holds up, like amazingly well. Yeah, and it's really like, um, like yeah, 65. Looking. 
Yeah. Like, oh, wow. I thought it was like 70s. No, it, it feels like it could be written about now with like the themes of like ecology and like hostile environments and stuff. Oh, man. It's it's really good. And really religion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And religion tied to ecology. It's, oh, man. I've already finished the part that the movie, the first movie, will uh, focus on. It's only the first half of the book. I've been uh, reading the Stormlight Archive, uh, specifically Warbreaker. It was recommended to me by uh, a coworker. Chad from RT Core constantly talks about it, and it is really, really, really good. Um, okay, let's let's see. Um, this is a good one. Well, wait, I lost it. Oh, here it is from Ragnarok. Place bets on consoles coming out this year. I think that's an <laughs> allusion to will the Xbox Series X and the PS5 come out this year? That's a good question. I think yes, but there, I think there'll be shortages. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I think Xbox might delay. I think Sony will probably stubbornly stick to it, but I think Xbox might push to 2021, but beginning 2021. Is Soldier Boy still coming out with his console? I believe so. <laughs> well, then, yeah, I'll put all my money on. Put all put it all on red. <laughs> um. This was a good one. Also, I thought, what are some games you like that objectively aren't good? Oh. I'm going to need to think about this. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Objectively oh. aren't Because we've gotten a lot of variation of sort of what, you know, what's an old game you like? What's a, you know, your favorite this? What's your favorite you like, that? But that, that's a good question. That was from Moose Knuckles playing Doom Eternal plus GTA V. Games are so different than like movies because it's like a bad one you're putting so much time into whereas you can watch a B movie and be done in two hours yeah that's um, true oh boy I mean like hand simulator and, and like, <laughs> those janky steam games like they're not they're not great to play it's not a great experience but they're super fun but as far um, as like I'm trying to think if there's any like triple A stuff that I've like gotten into that that middle age, the, the middle the middle era of 3D Sonic games after Sonic Adventure Two, Sonic Heroes, you know Sonic and the Secret Rings, Sonic and the and the Black Knight, Sonic Unleashed, those are kind of guilty pleasures for me. Uh, they're not great, but I like them a lot. Yeah, there were some old. I'm trying to think. Modern day, I think I I really don't like the game anymore. But Hearthstone, I think there's better <laughs> there's better card games out there with like more intricate mechanics. You should play uh, Teppin with me, Brian. There you go. Um, I even played uh, Yu-Gi-Oh for a while on yeah! the DS, <laughs> which was not a good game. Oh, uh, it was on. one of those many many card battlers. But, it, you know, you just sort of get into it and, you know... You're, you're How just... dare you besmirch the name of Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> right. That's, I guess that's my, my vote. I only play good games. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Oshi Hub asks, do you think Sony will ever bring backwards compatible for PS1 to PS3? Boy, I hope so. I, I know there's Smart. been problems with PS3, though, right? Because of the cell and the way those games yeah. are, are done. So, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I think... I think in some cases it's not because they don't want to. It seems like there's some technical hurdles. I think they can do it. I think they... they I think they're smart enough. I think they're, they're, they've got a, enough know-how to emulate their own systems. They built it. They could do it. But it's going to cost uh, a certain amount of money and development time to do it. And they're just not willing to do that right now. And I, I think that's the big one. Is it's, they don't see it as, as financially worthwhile. But maybe would it be financially worthwhile for them to manufacture scarcity like the Disney vault? Uh, and just kind of piecemeal <laughs> them out through the, the Now service? Because we know they've been trying to make that bigger. And more also game streaming and not just... Uh, backwards compatible stuff, but that is what they were using now for for the first few years of its existence, right? Yeah, now didn't really work for the first couple of years. It's yeah. getting better. It is getting better, and I will admit it is getting you mean then consistently better. Yeah, when when now was then, then PlayStation then was not great, but PlayStation now is now good. It's okay, mm -hmm. I should uh -huh. say, but you do need a, at least a very decent internet, con a pretty solid internet connection to get any kind of good results from it. You, you know, it's it's the whole streaming problem in general. Like, you know, Stadia, Stadia. 
Stadia. Yeah, I I tried Stadia uh, when they started the free, uh, you know, trial or whatever. I was like, okay, well, let me just try it and see what it's like. It, it, at least on my internet, it worked pretty well. Like the technology is pretty interesting. Like I fired up uh, Destiny Two, and the fact that there's no like, you know, big install and, and the load screens aren't that bad. You know, I, I'm sort of you're so conditioned to expect that that it's kind of shocking when it doesn't happen. But uh, it, it was good. I but I can't imagine it being like my my go-to gaming service at all. At all. Oh no. Oh, maybe absolutely. If I, not. Maybe if I traveled a lot, but even then, I don't know if the internet would be reliable. So yeah, that's I'm why really you get sure. a switch. Yeah, that's why you get a switch, which is great for travel. I mean, like I've got like the worst thing now for me is not how can I play my games. It's I have too many games to play. My backlog mm-hmm. is atrocious, and being in quarantine has not made that any better. I mean, I'm like <laughs> I actually just bought Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I don't even I don't like the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, but I'm like, well, maybe I should try it, and it uh, it picked up my progress from when I was playing Odyssey back in the Google Stream beta. Stadia. Oh, yeah, uh, I did so, the exact same thing. So I've actually moved further away from Stadia than I was a week ago. <laughs> I don't know. Huh? Uh. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think we've got time for... Oh, we got time for one more. Um, we started a little bit after the record started, too. So we're yeah, a little bit less. Yeah. Um, okay, here's a uh, Final Fantasy question. Only ever played Final Fantasy 15 and want to play a new one. Don't have PS4, though. This is from Lexaro. Which one would y'all recommend? That's a good question. If you have a DS, a, a lot of the old good ones are on there. I think like uh, 6 and 4. So those would be my recommendations. I assume since they're playing, they played Final Fantasy 15, but they don't have a PS4, I assume that they're either playing on an Xbox oh, or okay. on PC. Yeah. So I'm going to say go back and play Final Fantasy X HD. It's really good. Final yep. Fantasy X is yep. a fantastic game. Uh, it's re- it really holds up. And uh, the story's great. Characters are great. It's just a fun time from, from start to finish. It's a great, great game. Yeah, I've never played those either. I was going to say, I don't yeah. think you're a Final Fantasy pro- This is definitely for me and Caden. Yeah, that's not, not a Connor question. <laughs> okay, uh, another question. This is from Park Ranger. What's your worst gaming habit? That's kind of an interesting question. That is good, and I know exactly what it is. My worst gaming habit is banking skill points and not spending any of them ever. I got oh, no. so oh, far yeah. into the witch because I just get like I get skill tree anxiety and I'm like well I don't know I don't want to spend them in the wrong place which is why I like games that let you reset things but I got so far in the witcher 3 and I reached a point where I'm like why the fuck is this so hard <laughs> like yeah I put it on like the one difficulty up from normal but also like as I got on it got worse and worse and then I finally left it alone and then came back to it and realized that I had like dozens upon dozens of unspent <laughs> skill points and i hadn't put them into health or combat or potions you're, you're or like no wonder this was so hard <laughs> yeah exactly i like dropped a, a fuckload in the sword category and then after that i was like and i'm like oh it's a video game that's supposed to be fun to play <laughs> and, it's not and, a chore yeah so now i'm playing dying light and like every single time the thing comes up and it's like you have a skill point i'm like okay i, I gotta spend it death stranding actually taught me to be better about that it was because it doesn't have a skill tree per se but it's like Hey, use the things that you have. Like you, it's being giving you Way tools to go, and Kojima. unlocking things. I made a video about it. It's actually very good, and it includes James Bond. So go watch that. Oh nice. gosh, uh, I think mine is probably. I, I'm going to blame this entirely on the Persona series. Anytime they they launch a new Persona game, or I go back and play a Persona game, I absolutely have to do perfect runs, first run through. So I, I, it's meticulously planned out, and it's, oh, it you have like schedule out your whole day, I, it, and everything. it becomes it becomes like life management, and it's just like, well, I don't necessarily have the time to do this right now, and it's just like, yeah, but that's eating in real life that I don't have time to do because I'm planning <laughs> my my life in persona right now because I just have to get all of my all of my teammates all the way up and and s rank them so that i can i can unlock their true potential like it just makes it i really do understand that it takes a lot of fun out of it for me 
but I have a bad habit of just like, I know I need to do this because there is a true ending locked behind one of you. And I'm not entirely certain which one of you it is. So my first run through per- on Persona games is just social linking with everyone and unlocking everything and doing everything meticulously. <laughs> so they take a thousand hours it's, to oh complete my God. each game. Kate, I'm, I, it's, a, it's a burden, but I, but I like doing it and I hate doing it. Caden really just hit us with the, my, I would say my greatest weakness is being a perfectionist. A little bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta it's, have it, it all done is, perfectly. Yeah, it's, 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 oh, it, it's murder. <laughs> I'm just, I can't too it, perfect. It generally means that I'm having to follow uh, either a guide to help me uh, on just keep on track or take notes and it's just it's really dumb it's really dumb and it's not as fun as just playing the game and getting and getting to experience no, it without really you know yeah. a full schedule it's just it's it's a stupid thing that i do and i, I kind of need to stop doing it i i have mine is kind of i have two but one is kind of related to that um I will, my collecting instinct kicks in and I won't want to leave any area until I've gotten everything, you know, or, or tried to find every little hidden thing to the point where it sometimes becomes paralyzing and, and, and I just like can't move on. But then I try to remind myself, like, especially if you're in the beginning parts of the game, who cares if you miss a weapon or so it's going to be outdated, like, you know, in an yeah. hour. So it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I'll, I'll get, you know, or, or I'll have to explore every single path of a dungeon. Like if I get to the end, but I know there's like a turn that I didn't make, I'll always have to go back and, you know, fully flesh it out. That's true. I've gotten a lot better with that myself. Sometimes just out of necessity, like I'm playing, um, Kentucky route zero and it takes so oh, long game. to sometimes go down one path. And I'm like, you know what? My playthrough, that's just not how it happens. Maybe I missed that. I, yeah. I won't know either way, and it's going to be fine. I, so, like, like dungeon crawlers and Metroidvanias and, like, uh, Dead Cells even. It I'm makes like, you want just to do go. that. Like, yeah. 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 It's just, it's like, you see, you see things, you want to do it because you don't know what's, you know, what's the unlockable around the corner or right. what potentially, what, what new weapon or anything. It's just like, sometimes you're just going to be like, eh, it's not worth it. I'm going to just continue having fun. Yeah, un- unless it's something that like a-, a series of things you have to collect starting at the beginning of the game, which turns into some great weapon at the end of the game. And if you missed it, you have to go back. Those drive me crazy, too. Absolutely. But yes, I agree. Sometimes you just have to say screw it and and plow ahead. Uh, my other big uh bad habit is I'll be weirdly averse to starting a new game. I don't know if anybody else has that. It's like, I'd rather play something that I know that I like because a lot of the times for me, starting a new game, it, it kind of starts off slow at first and it has yeah. to kind of build momentum. And definitely. then I'm really into it, but Especially I'm always JRPGs. Yeah, definitely. But it's like, I, I find more and more now that the first, you know, up to five, maybe 10 hours, I'm just kind of bored with it. Yeah. And then eventually <laughs> it picks up steam. You know, if I stick with it, it almost always kind of once, once I get, invested or i get powerful enough but i i hate the beginning of just lots of games it's honestly why i it's honestly why i like a lot of shorter games now i know a lot of people criticized resident evil 3 for being you know a short experience i like no i like that i like that i played through it i enjoyed it i had a great time with it and then it was done and i can go back and i can experience that same thing over and over again in in a small period of time and that's very fun for me instead of you know it's like you know I, I don't know if I'm if I'm starting this game. It might be just, you know, uh, you know, 40, 50, 100, 1,000 hours of merciless, tedious grinding. Yeah, I it's, it takes me so long to get into things. And then I, I have so many games I'm playing at the same time that I'm not letting myself fully get into any one of them in particular. Right. Like, I'm yeah, for sure. Dying Light, Outer Worlds. I still have to finish Fallen Order. I want to play Dishonored, uh, Death of the Outsider. Uh, and yet, through all of that, I just, like bounce around none of them grab me i never feel like i want to play and then i just end up going back to hitman 2 although to be fair <laughs> last the last, past couple of years had some of the most like intensive single player games i've played so maybe i'm just naturally recovering from those like red dead 2 and uh death stranding like those are huge <laughs> time yeah six, the big so. open world like the, the yeah. smattering of open world games we got between the start of what 2017 until the end of 2019 it was just like there's yeah. like four or five big open world games every couple months it's like this is daunting sometimes 
Yeah, it's a lot. And especially knowing that a game's going to be long, like knowing that, you know, I'll, I'll sort of look up how long to beat, you know, whatever. And it's like, <laughs> if I know it's 50 or 60 hours, it's like, oh, God. All right. OK, here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I'm the same way. Um, okay, so that is going to do it for our show this week. But real quick, just in case you don't follow our social media, we have been streaming most weekday evenings to the Rooster Teeth website. Uh, we got some gameplay, some other interesting stuff like voice acting and improv lessons. We even recently explored the old Achievement City Minecraft world. So we stream Tuesdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific, Wednesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, and Thursdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Come check us out on roosterteeth.com. It is free. Yeah. So uh, have a great week, you guys, and we'll see you soon. Later. All right. Bye. Bye.